All right, welcome, you guys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So I want to share something tonight because I think it's significant, but I don't really know, so you'll have to help me. But um, not often do I get dreams where it's like the same thing repeated over and over. And I kept hearing the other night, The Nutcracker. I wasn't dreaming about the play, which I absolutely love. It's like one of my favorite, favorite plays. We haven't even been talking about it, but um, I kept hearing all night, The Nutcracker, and everyone was talking about The Nutcracker, but I wasn't seeing the play or anything, and so I told Scott, I was like, I just had this weird, <laughs> and it was like one of those dreams where you're like not in a deep sleep, and you're aware of everything going on around you. It just was a weird sleep night, but anyway, I thought, okay, I'm going to look up The Nutcracker, and so one of the things... Um, I found was, according to German folklore, nutcrackers were given keepsakes, as keepsakes, but they represent strength and power, which I thought was really interesting, and um, also teaches about the power of the imagination and the significance of kindness and potential, or yeah, potential for personal transformation, which I thought was interesting. <clears throat> so strength and power and potential for transformation. And then in the story, of course, they defeat the King Mouse, who is evil. So that's really good. Um, and then we just kind of came across these lessons from it, which is um, reaching your full potential takes bold vision. Be polite to everyone. Sometimes it's not you. Everyone's got a story. You can't pick your kids' passions. It takes hard work to make something look easy. So <clears throat> whatever you get from that, take it. Whatever you don't, that's fine too. But I just thought that was super interesting about um, the power of our imagination and just our potential for, for changing and how we can, it's, our imagination, just running with God and having fun with him and the Holy Spirit and really just walking in, in power and strength. And um, so that was just kind of my takeaway. If any of you have anything later, you can come tell me. But I just thought that was interesting because I just do not have, have dreams like this. I just thought it was really bizarre. And I didn't have pizza, so. <laughs> so I don't know. So take it whatever what it is and throw it away if it's nothing. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to share that tonight. I opened her phone back up because I, I feel like I'd like to highlight part of it. I know I sound really strange, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a guest speaker, so bear with me. If you uh, don't recognize my voice, um, this is not my normal sound. So I just want to look at that first part. It's the, nut, the Nutcracker story teaches us about the power of the imagination. As a church that has been building a foundation on an apostolic prophetic foundation in the prophetic in, in cr prophetic Christianity we lean into the place of the imagination the sanctified imagination because that's the place inside of each one of us where God often will speak to us you think it's kind of like well I, I hear that you know that inner voice well is it my imagination well in the presence of God while we're worshiping the Lord, spending time with him, that's, that's the place where he speaks to us. So we, I like to call it the sanctified imagination. 
But I just thought that was pretty interesting. The Nutcracker story teaches us about the power of the imagination, the significance of kindness. I mean, that's important, right? If we're going to be a good witness for Jesus, we should model his kindness and not be mean Christians. <laughs> How many of you are mean Christians? Just one of you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> And then the potential for personal transformation. I mean, that's, that's the journey that we're all on right now as Christians. The, the day you said yes to Jesus, the day you said, Lord, I give you my life, you began a journey of personal transformation. As we behold the Lord, as we look into his face, as we seek him, as we worship him, whether it's corporately or by yourself at home, the, the Word of God tells us that we are transformed into His likeness as we behold His glory. And that's why we're here tonight. We get to behold the glory of the Lord together in the place of worship. And the awesome thing is we get to be transformed. We get to be changed in His presence. So that's exciting. I think that's a good dream. We, we do place a, a high value on dreams. Obviously, not every dream that we have is from God. But when, when you have... You know, it, it, is, it is a place in the Bible that God says he will speak to us. We will have visions and dreams. That's part of the outpouring of the Spirit in the last days. So, so we do look forward to God speaking to us in dreams. And when it's something unusual like that, it's not typical for Tammy to have a dream where people are talking about the nutcracker over and over. Christmas is over. That was just, what, a few days ago? So I think that's interesting. So just take it take it just just I would say like for me what it's her dream and it's it's the encouragement that she got but but she's sharing that with us we have the ability to, to take hold of that wisdom that revelation that God is speaking to her and we could say yeah I want that for myself too I want personal transformation I want the, the place of my imagination to be supernaturally charged and and anointed by the presence of God so that I can hear him more clearly. Is that cool? Are you guys good with that? Good. Okay. I hope so, because I just said it. It's too late now. Hey, I want to mention real quick, I don't know if anyone's doing this with me. I'm going to go for it. Bethel Church, which is our stream that we connect with, begin, has begun a seven-day fast beginning tonight or today. And it goes through Saturday. And they call it a fast of feasting on his presence or feasting, yeah, feasting on his presence. It's not too late if any of you want to, to step into this. Really, you can choose for yourself how you want to do a fast. You could do full-on, no food, and just drink water. Or you can skip two meals or one meal out of the day. You could just get rid of coffee and sweets, whatever. You could just lay aside all social media for the week. All of those are different options of ways you can fast before the Lord. And I would encourage you, if it's something that you feel tonight that God is just speaking to you and, and laying on your heart that you want to do, then, then just ask him, what, what, would I, what would be something that I could lay down, lay aside, to seek you? Because really it's, it's trading something in order to go after something in God. And fasting doesn't change God, it changes us. So I'm looking forward to this week. Um, there is a website there if you're curious about the focus, the focal points of the, each day, um, you can just go to, you can even Google Bethel seven day fast and find it. So I just wanted to pop that up there real quick. And now that we're getting ready to worship, have a few scriptures to open up with. Is, is that okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's going to save my voice.
<laughs> we will save your voice. All right. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I'm not preaching tonight, but this is, you know, I'm a preacher, so I can't help myself. There's a reason why I pulled this and a couple other verses up. That first part, for through him, we both, now don't be confused by both. This is Paul talking about Israel and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Gentiles who in Christ become one new, new people, a new, a new nation. So through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You and I have access to come into the presence of the Father tonight. Jesus made the way open for us by, by allowing his body to be broken open on the cross. It's through the blood of Jesus that we can come to the throne room of God by the Holy Spirit. So we want to invite the presence of God. We want to invite Holy Spirit to come into this place tonight and draw, draw us close, draw us near to the Father. In that last part, it says, in him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, growing into a holy temple. You know, we're in this room tonight, and this is just a once-a-week opportunity where we can come together as individual living stones to become a, a greater representation of the temple of God, of a, of a physical expression of his spiritual temple, where the presence of God can manifest and dwell. To those who are elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah, if you guys can now stand. And just a quick note, there are flags back there if you want to flag. Help yourself to the flags and you can flag over here. So, yeah. So, Father, God, we just, we lay everything down at your feet tonight, Father. God, we just want to commune with you. We want to give you praise, Father. God, we love you. God, we worship you tonight, Father God. We worship you tonight. We glorify your name. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you, Lamb of God, the one who died to take away the sins of the world. We say tonight, you are worthy. 
You are worthy, Lord, worthy of everything that we are. Heart, soul, mind, strength, God, all that I am, all that we are, you're worthy of. So we give our bodies, we give our lives to you as living sacrifices. This is our true worship. We love to sing songs of praise, but God, when we give ourselves to you, this is our real worship, true worship. We offer our bodies, God. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices made holy and acceptable because of your blood. Revelation 5 says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them You have made them to be a kingdom and priests or a kingdom of priests, royal priesthood, to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They were encircled around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever, amen. Amen, Jesus. We worship you, Lamb of God. We worship you. Even when our voices are fading and giving out, (laughs) we worship you. God, when we're tired and we don't feel like it, we give you a sacrifice of praise. Because worship is what you're, you're worthy of. Worship is what you're due. We praise you tonight, Lord. God, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people, that you are enthroned on the worship and praise of your people, that our worship rolls out the red carpet for you to come in, to come riding in. On the wind of the Spirit, you come riding in and you spend time with us. And not only that, but the deeper reality, the deeper truth is that you live and abide inside of each one of us who calls you Lord, who calls you Savior, who calls you King. And when we leave this place, we get to go continue the worship service. We get to go spend time with you anytime, anytime throughout the day. We feast on you tonight, Lord. We feast on your word. We feast on your presence. We feast on your goodness because we declare tonight you are good You are good. Just say it. Jesus, you are good. And your love endures forever. His love endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. So I I kept hearing the name Wendy over and over during worship. And I don't, there's, is anybody here named Wendy by chance? Wendy, 
it's your sister, right? Um, so in relation to the dream, the nutcracker, right? Those, those hard places, those people that we know that seem to be a hard nut to crack. But with the kindness of the Lord, the Lord can do anything. He can do all things. And the Lord can soften a hardened heart. So I just want to encourage all of us, if there's any family members or anyone that, that's close to you that you've been praying for, that there just seems to be a hardness around them, and even like the darkness of the season. And I'm, the Nutcracker's not my favorite holiday story, but we can definitely pull from that, that there's something that the Lord is saying that he can do all things, and through the kindness and the compassion of Christ, he can bring healing and he can reach anybody anywhere. So, did you have anything to add? Okay. Okay, so we're going to move into a time of communion, you guys. We'll get. Here we go. So, if you guys would like to come forward, please, for um, we have grape juice on the right. We do have wine on the left, and then we have the matzo crackers. You guys would like to come up and get your communion elements? I was just thinking also, this is the first Sunday of the new year and the goodness of the Father that is poured out for us in this city, over the families in Bremerton and Kitsap, over all the families that are here, over all the churches, the body of Christ in this community, and just praying that this would be a year that we would all come together in unity and bless each other and that the church would dwell together in unity and that they would know us in this, this community by our love for each other and the love of the Father. And one of the ways that we can come together in unity is through partaking of the body of Christ together corporately. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 27 through 29, I shared this last time, but I wanted to share it again. And just reminding us that we don't need to be sin conscious. We can be sun conscious. Not greasy grace. We're not saying that you can just keep doing whatever you want to do. Yeah, greasy grace. But we remember that Christ already paid the price for us to forgive us. And we can walk in that authority. We can say no to the flesh and no to those things. Like we, ha we have permission to do that. We're supposed to be doing that. And we don't walk in condemnation. The Holy Spirit will convict us and give us the power to turn away from the things we're not supposed to do. But he doesn't bring condemnation and remind you of how terrible you are. That's that sin consciousness. And I don't, we don't need to step into that. So in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 26, it talks about when Jesus said, take and eat this. 
and as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But verse 27 through 29, it talks about when you take the bread, to not take it in an unworthily manner. And oftentimes we think if we have sin in our lives, we can't take communion. But what this actually translates to in the Greek is anxious or anxiosis. And it means treating the bread, the body, as common. So when you take communion and you take it as a common thing, that's how you're taking it in an unworthily manner. So we want to apprehend that Jesus' body, his stripes paid for everything. On his body, he took all of our iniquities, every disease, every oppression, anything that we could deal with emotionally, spiritually that could oppress us in the body, that's what he took and he already paid the price for that. So as we get ready to take the bread, I want you to think about that Jesus Christ took every infirmity, any generational sicknesses that you see repeating in your bloodlines, he took that, he paid that price. And you can declare that healing is for now because Jesus is alive. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we get to partake of the resurrection power of the cross. So Lord, we just thank you for your body that was broken. We thank you for these stripes that you bore and the piercing. And we thank you that you became a curse so we could have liberty and freedom. And we just thank you, Lord, for this, this beautiful blessing in Jesus' name. So likewise, we take the, the cup, the blood of Christ, the mercy seat, and that mercy, mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Every sin, every iniquity comes underneath the power of the blood of Jesus. And we declare that we are part of his lineage and our bloodlines belong to Jesus. Our families belong to Jesus. There is redemption in his name. And so just like we were, I was seeing the picture of the, the hardness over some of our family members' hearts and that the Lord can crack that in kindness and his compassion. We plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves and we receive this cup, this cup of his obedience for our freedom. So, Lord, I just lift up this cup, and I thank you for your freedom, Lord. I thank you for the power that is in the blood of Jesus. I thank you that your name is above every other name. And I thank you that this year, 2024, we will walk in greater freedom. We will walk in greater authority, and we will walk under the mercy seat this year in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to introduce David Williams. He's going to share tonight. We're going to let Pastor Scott's voice rest. So just keep him in your prayers this week, you guys, so, um, so he can recover his voice fully. I'm going to hand it over to David. 
that worship was so good where we're singing that. He, he liberated us. You know, it's the blood, it's his body. He liberated us and freed us. And we owe him our lives. Like he saved us from, you know, eternal like damnation in our, in our own sin. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. And we owe him our lives. And he's everything to us. So just before I share with what I want to share tonight, um, on my way back from work this evening, driving up from Tacoma and getting into the Gorst area, I can see out over the sound toward the shipyard and in the direction of, of our church. The clouds were super dark. And all the way up from Tacoma, the, dark, the clouds were not like this. They were kind of lighter. And we know we've been getting a lot of rain, but as I drove up through Silverdale, the clouds were darkest over East Bremerton in like this area. And I just hear the Lord speaking to me about that. And I just hear him saying, I am brooding over Bremerton. My spirit is brooding over Bremerton. My glory cloud is full of rain and I'm going to get re- I'm getting ready to release a rain on the earth in Bremerton. Bremerton will be filled with rivers of living water. It will be filled with my glory. Bremerton will be a city on a hill that glorifies the Lord. I am brooding over Bremerton. The sprinkles that you've seen, the mist that you've seen, the little rain that you've seen is nothing compared to what I'm about to release here. And Legacy City Church is just one of the many pieces that I am using to do a new thing in this place. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you you don't forget us. You always have a plan. And you're doing a new thing. Thank you, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to us tonight. We thank you that we can rely on your word. Your word is our strength. Your word is everything that we need. It sustains us. And I just pray that it would speak to each of us tonight, build us up and encourage us, and that you would be glorified. We thank you that your presence is here with us tonight. We love you, Lord. Thank you.
So thank you, Scott and Tammy, for giving me the privilege again to speak up here tonight. I'm here with my wife, Cara. And um, what I wanted to share with everybody tonight was something along the lines of, of meditating on God's word and knowing that he is a strong tower for us. And before I get started, I want to ask, you know, I'll, I'll cast a really broad net, you know, who in here in the past, you know, three to six months has experienced a difficult or challenging thing in their life? Whether it be a personal thing, like maybe a personal thing that you've struggled with, or maybe it's a relationship that you've struggled with. Maybe it's a health thing that you struggle with. Or there's something that you're suffering, or there's some difficult challenge at work you're going through. And I'm, I'm painting that broad stroke because there's no condemnation, but could, could anyone raise their hand if they've, if they've gone through a difficult thing? And I'm one of those people. So, so, all right. All right, well, you're doing good then. This may help you later. I don't know. But we, even though, even though we are, we know that we're saved and we're with Christ and Holy Spirit is with us, we still go through difficult, challenging seasons. And so we have, we have life stressors. We have things that trouble, trouble us and we still have, you know, suffering. And so to share with you, you know, like I recently went through a challenging season and there are some things that I came to realize about myself. So to describe this season for me, things that I was experiencing, in this season I had heaviness, I had the, the onset of depression, it was not like a full-on depression, but it was de depress depressing things, depressing thoughts, things that were going to try and get me down. Uh, the sense of being overwhelmed by just things you have to do in life. There's lots of things that we want to accomplish. There's things that we have to maintain. I, it was getting me, it was making me tired. I was, it was difficult to be happy about things in general because when you're in a challenging time, your mind is stuck on what's going on. And, it's diff and you try your best to kind of put on a face sometimes to be happy and cheerful and that's know that's good to do try to be happy and cheerful in the moment but um much of the time i was spending just pushing through trying to endure trying to be cheerful but it was difficult but in this season there, there's some re realizations i made and, and by realizations i mean holy spirit was speaking to me during in, in those moments sometimes directly and sometimes through cara my wife <laughs> thank you And there, there's two main things. My current thinking. My current way of thinking was not supporting me to get through a difficult event. And when I say that, I mean all the, the calculus that I do to try and figure things out and, and figure out whatever problems I'm dealing with, I was still under a sense of, of heavy, you know, heaviness, and it's just not a good time. And how did I know this? Well, I was, I was, I didn't want to admit it, but I was effectively allowing heaviness to come in and depression. I was beginning to partner with it. 
because you know you think you have thoughts that are like oh i'm not doing this good enough or that this is never going to work out or something you know i think we all have something along those lines um there is a second part to this my current position my current position relative to Christ was caught lacking. How did I know this? Well, the enemy was able to easily attack me from multiple fronts, mentally and emotionally, etc. And I've had, if I had a better position in Christ, I could avoid or withstand these challenges. It's not, a, it's not like we can totally avoid life's challenges. It's not like we can just put our head in the sand. But the perspective for me needed to be, where am I positioned spiritually, mentally, emotionally in relation to Christ and how he thinks and, and how he acts and how he behaves? And this was a key piece of information for me because I came to this understanding that you know, I think if I were a little bit closer to where Christ is, it would be maybe a little bit easier to deal with these hard things to deal with. So another key piece that was revealed to me by Holy Spirit was that a lot of times, you know, I tried to go on on a lot of my faith, a lot, at least a lot in the past, was just going by what other pastors and preachers had said, what other speakers had said. And then I kind of go on my own, like, basic understanding, like, oh, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure this is true. Like, you, when you hear it, you agree with it. Oh, this is true about Jesus. It's from the Bible, you know, or a vetted, you know, priest should, uh, should say what the Bible says. And maybe I didn't always go back and check for myself. And this is the major gap that I found within myself. I did not have it fully settled within me, the truths about God and his character that I needed. And why was this important? Because if I had known, if I had not, not just known, but understood and truly believed on what God's word says, then it would be much easier to react and respond to when there's an incoming kind of attack, or if even it's my own thoughts in my own mind, myself attacking myself. If I had truly believed in God's word, my, my initial reaction would be different. It'd be like, no, that's, that's not true. That's not, this is not true. This is God's truth over here. I'm going to stand with this. And I know that this was not settled in me because... There's nothing for me to lean on. I didn't, I didn't have it in me. So there's a deficit. I had a huge deficit. You know, I've, I've been born and raised, like, in the church for a long time. There's many of these concepts in, like, Christendom that you hear a lot, a, a lot of times. And, and I've said this many times before. <laughs> Sorry. But when you're, when you're in that, sometimes you take it for granted and you just... You hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you think you get it. But this may be one of those things you don't really get until you go and, and get for yourself. And this is what I want to encourage us to do, because we can. So what does this have to do with 
with meditating on his word. Well, instead of guessing at what I believe, um, I realized I don't, I could cut out a lot of thinking and a lot of mental math up here about what is true by just going to the word and trying to memorize it. Who would have thought? Now, I'm not a big fan of just memorizing Bible scriptures or memorizing anything for that matter. It's not a fun thing to do. Um, but, you know, take for example, um, I used to fly aircraft years ago. And when I had to read aircraft regulations, my instructor would ask me, you know, when, it, when, is the, when is it okay to fly at, you know, twilight or something like that? You know, when the sun's going down or when the sun's coming up. And I would try to guess. Oh, well, you know, you can fly if you have this rating, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I think that, that should be it. And my instructor would say, let's look at the FAA regulations. And then we would go to the regulation, and he would read word for word. It says, you will not fly past this time of twilight if you do not have this reading, etc. Word for word. This was important because if I did not have that word for word in my head, I was not going to pass the test to fly the aircraft because that was, you know, one of the test questions. And I couldn't just like, I can't just be flying an aircraft and have the instructor say, okay, what's this? And then, oh, hold on, I gotta open up my regulation here while I'm flying. It's not gonna work out. I needed to be able to respond instantly. I needed to know what it was. This is the same as true in life for us. We need to know God's word instantly, as quickly as possible. And this isn't just a one and done, this is a process. This is a process where each of us can work out. And so I realized I could cut out a lot of work and a lot of effort just by like, you know what? Maybe it's good if I just meditate on God's law or not as, meditate on God's word as a whole. And it, it doesn't sound fun to me, but now I'm, now there's, there's things that Holy Spirit is pointing out to me as I'm reading some of these scriptures. I'm, I'm seeing things that stand out. I'm like, I see this and I read it and we're going to look at some of these tonight. I, I, I have some uh, passages. But I started asking myself, do I really believe this? And you're going to hear that question a lot tonight. Do I really believe what's written in the book of truth? In his word? This is an important question you need to ask yourself. Because... When you go out, when you've, if you've done that meditation and you go out into your job or your family or something you're doing yourself, you'll know. You're going to get tested. You're going to know if you truly believe it or not. Because if you, if it's not settled within you, you'll start going into the fray. You'll start getting into the chaos. So I need to meditate and memorize his word and not guess at what the word says. This is a tool that, that 
I can strengthen for future life events that we can all strengthen in our own selves. And it says, this is not on our own power, guys. We're not doing this alone. We're doing this with Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit was sent to us to be a teacher for us. And Holy Spirit has the exact wisdom that each of you needs in your specific situation. My knowing and understanding needs to be rock-solid belief so that in the face of difficult events or seasons, my reactions and responses, they're not just any responses. My responses are Christ-like. This is a key feature. We're not just trying to get good at reacting with positivity. We need to react and respond to how Jesus reacts and responds. We need to love what Jesus loves and hate what Jesus hates. That might throw some people. Jesus hates things? Yes, he does. He hates evil and other things that go along with evil things. So we need to be, we're, the goal is to be more Christ-like. Okay, so you'll hear this said in many different ways. The goal is to stand on the rock. What is the rock? It is Jesus, but it's, it's not just Jesus. It's believing the truth about Jesus. When the belief is in you, when you believe it and you respond and you're like, that's not that's not that. This is that. I'm on the rock. Doesn't matter if there's all these waves around me. Okay, a lot of things that the enemy tries to do is get you to perceive something else other than is true. If you're standing on the side of the street and you look to the left and you see a truck coming, you're perceive, perceiving a truck coming on the street. And you know that if you step out into the street, in front of that truck, you're going to suffer some something, some damage, <laughs> a lot of damage. So perception. So you had an internal guidance system within you that said, I'm not going to do that. Your reaction was, I'm going to stay back, wait for the truck to pass, now I can cross. Now the enemy will try to get you to perceive something differently. He wants you to think that the truck is going somewhere else, he wants to you to get you to think that the truck's not moving, or he wants you to get get you to think that the truck has already passed. He says, "No, the truck's over there." Oh, okay. Step out on the road. Bam! You've got hit. Now, what this means in life is when we get hit by something, it comes at it comes at a cost. Um, it comes at a cost when we're trying to emote, mentally and emotionally process what just happened. Why did my family member say this thing to me? Why, did, why is this thing happening at work? Why are my coworkers trying to blame me for something? Why, why, um, why is the government doing this? Why is the government having you know, these regulations? This, this occurs at all scales in every, in every direction. And, and it's funny, when, when we're in some of these chaotic moments, we're like, man, I need a break. I really need a break. I say that to Carl a lot. I need a break. <laughs> I need a break, guys. Well, guess what? The enemy doesn't care. He doesn't care. In fact, you could be in the middle of a, some chaotic moment, and he's going to bring something else along. 
And he's going, why? He wants to exhaust you, get you tired, and he wants you to stay in your unbelief. This is weird. This is like a double-edged sword from the enemy. He wants you to get into unbelief and stay in it. He also wants you to focus on yourself, and he wants you to focus on the mess that's happening. This is partly why Jesus walked on the water, I think, personal opinion. We get distracted with what's going on in the water, and it takes our eyes off Jesus. And we all we had to do is keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's no condemnation. I don't think I don't think Jesus was like, Hey Peter, hello, keep your eyes on me. No. This is a process we're working out. And it's a muscle in us that gets stronger. And again, we're not doing it by ourselves, we're doing it with Holy Spirit. <laughs> Preach it. So now I'm seeing more value in memorizing and meditating because that is the rock that I can stand on to get through a hard thing. Why? This is not just for you. It's not just to prosper for yourself. It's to prosper for others around you. It gives God glory and points the way to Jesus. And when others see you standing on the rock they will see the light of Jesus. Something in them. You're, you're going to get, I'm going to prophesy right now, you are going to be strong and you are going to be standing on a rock. And you're going to be in chaotic situations. And I, believe me, they've got a whole lineup of chaotic situations coming this year, I'm sure. Like, whoa, huge prediction. Uh, there's just going to be a lineup. Okay, just expect it. There's, there's going to be th some things. Okay, that's not new. Paul talked about it. He's like, there's going to be sufferings, guys. Um, and then he says something else weird, like, have joy in the sufferings. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but this is for other people. They're going to see you in a chaotic situation standing on the word of God. Your belief is standing on the word of God. They're going to see you standing on that rock, and they're going to be like, <laughs> why, is he, why is that person not freaking out? Because you you already on you're on the, already on the rock, you're good. You're like, hey, check out this rock. It's right over here. That's the light. That's being the light in the earth. That's being the salt in the earth. That is pointing the way to Jesus. And I'm standing on a rock. This is Jesus. Check it out. Okay, so how do we do this? One way to do this is to meditate on His Word. Okay, so just for just for fun, we're just for fun. This is kind of a, a joke. David meditated on God's law and declared truths about God, and God loved David. That's not that's half the joke. Like God loved David so much, he's like, I'm gonna bring the the savior of the world through the root of Jesse. That's how much God loved David, and I got that from Bill Johnson. Let's paraphrase. Okay, the other half of that is, now we meditate on the Psalms, which is what we're going to do tonight. David meditated on God's law. Now we meditate on the Psalms that meditate on God. Meditation inception. Whoa. 
Right? It's weird, right? David Madison. Does everybody get Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Preach it, King. Uh, okay. So why the meditating part? Meditating is when we're all we're doing is we're just focusing. We're slowly reading that word. And we're just thinking about it. Seems simple enough. But I think we sometimes miss the activity part of it. We're like, yep, that's what it says. Don't stop there. Read it to yourself. Read it out loud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Read it out loud. Meditating on thing gets it is what gets it deep down. When you start repeating that phrase, you're saying it, your words have power. It's starting to settle in you. You may not feel it or know it, but the word, that truth, is getting in you. And it's going to start getting louder than the chaos that's around you. So by doing this, your reaction will change based on your perception of truth. And, God, and you'll begin to realize that God's word really does sustain us. If you don't already. Meditating on his word grows our faith and helps us to believe his word. It lets us be believers. Let me kind of unpack that for a second. So when that story, that parable about the master giving the servants talents, you know, and he's like, here, you get 10 talents, or you get five talents, he gets the other one like two talents. He goes away, he comes back. The first two servants had invested the talents, made more money with it. The third servant said, I believed you to be a, 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 a harsh master. He's operating in unbelief. And the master didn't want anything to do with that servant. He said, give me your money. I'm going to give it to these other guys so they can invest it. That was the unbeliever. We do not want to be the unbeliever. We Okay, I think we got that one. We're, we're hammering it. <laughs> we want to be believers. It's, I'm saying that because for any of us who have been in for a long time at church, and we just say, oh, I'm a believer, I'm a believer. I'm starting to realize, wait a minute, I'm saying that I'm a believer, but there's many statements here being made in the Bible that it's not deep down in me. There may be a couple of things that I really do have deep down. I'm, I'm believing him for that. I believe that God is my source. He is my protector, you know, that sort of thing. But there's other things that I don't have totally settled down yet. So that's what I mean. We want to be believer believers. I don't know how to emphasize that better. Believing. Yeah, believing believers. There we go. All right. Okay. Okay. So before we get to the meditation part, I'm just going to quickly read out <coughs> some some verses to you. Okay. So this kind of centers around joy. All right. Proverbs 17.22 says, and, and, and I just want to say, these are, these are actually kind of hard to understand right off. They're, if you really think about it, you're like, this is weird. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That's Proverbs 17, 22. 
James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. I don't, initially. I don't, I don't want to go through various trials to count it and count it all as joy. But these early apostles had an understanding of God that maybe we don't fully realize yet. Maybe. In Romans it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hopefully you're starting to see now that if we're meditating on the truth and we're standing on the rock, we are positioning ourselves to be in a place where we have joy and peace, even in a place of chaos. And that we are abounding in hope, not by our own power, but it's Holy Spirit's power. See, now we're starting to understand that God is reliable. We can lean on him for his power and we can rest in his peace. See, when Jesus was sleeping on the boat, he wasn't sleeping because he wanted to avoid the storm. Just my personal opinion. He's sleeping because it says in God's word that he's going to give the righteous rest. Jesus' earthly body at that time needed rest, so Jesus was sleeping. He was allowed to sleep in that moment, even though there was a raging storm outside. This is a side note, but that storm occurred, I'm pretty sure, on the Sea of Galilee. It's not a big body of water. To us, we would call it a lake. But they call it a sea. Okay, so imagine like a body of water maybe half the size of Lake Washington. I don't know if you guys have been out there. This storm was so great on the Sea of Galilee that the experienced fishermen thought they were all going to die. What? Does that make sense to anybody? I mean, we've heard this story many times. I've heard this story many times. And now I've actually been there and I've seen this, this lake they call a sea. But Jesus was able to rest. And then... He woke up. He was nice enough to, like, calm that storm. But it had to have been a super huge storm. Because, I don't know, what would, what would cause him to fear that much? Okay, moving on. Okay, so I think we got that part. We're just going to go, let's go to the first verse. The point of all that was we're meditating on his truth. We're getting to a place where we believe his word so that we get to the, the joy part. And that was really what... What uh, it was one of the indicators that I was apparently failing at. <laughs> In all my chaos, I was not having, it was difficult to have joy. And joy is something, having joy in the Lord is something that you have, or that we as believers should have, regardless of what the circumstances look like. We'll always have a joyful thing. If we're not having that currently, we need to start checking ourselves. Why am I not currently having joy in this situation? And we should have it even in difficult times. Okay, so the first one. So this is the part where we're going to do some a little bit of meditating on the word together. And I'm doing this because it should be fun. It should be fun. 
and we can just ask ourselves. We can, we can look at this. Okay, so Psalms 84, 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Here's the question we might ask ourselves. Is my strength... Is my strength in Jesus? Is my strength coming from Jesus? Have I built highways in my heart that lead to Jesus? Zion is essentially the the city of David, if I recall. It's where God resides. That's the place where God chose to be with his people. So when I'm in a difficult season and I need to run to refuge, do I have to climb through a jungle to get there? The other rocks, oh no, I don't know if I believe this. Or have I built a highway? Have I meditated on his word? Has I got it settled in me? Is there a freeway? Is there an autobahn? Do I just step on the gas and get there? Because I know that My strength is in Jesus. My strength comes from Jesus. He is the source of my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then it says in Psalms 84, 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God is a sun. He's providing light that I need and the warmth I need. He is also a shield to me. He bestows favor and honor. Okay, let's go to the next one. Psalms 91, 2 says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do we believe that? Do we believe it deep down? Is God really our refuge and fortress? You will know if he's your refuge and fortress if when you run to him you feel safe because when you're in a fortress you're surrounded by walls guards they got ammunition they got swords you're good you should feel safe in any situation so just just now bear with me Maybe you feel God is your refuge in one situation, but in another situation, you may not feel like God is your refuge. That's part of that, just that working out. You're like, okay, for some reason, I understand you as a refuge over here, but for some reason, in this case, I am feeling very vulnerable, and I don't know how to get to the the fortress. I don't know how to get to Jesus here. No condemnation in that. There's There's no condemnation. It's okay. We're all, we're all trying to figure this out, and you're not alone. Holy Spirit is teaching you how to get there. And so Psalms, Psalm 91.14 says, because he holds fast. Now, this is like from, from the voice of, of the Holy Spirit speaking. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Do we believe that? Because he holds fast to me, love. Am I holding fast to Jesus in love? Not like I'm, I'm holding fast to the rules and stuff. No, 
we're holding fast to the the really super good awesome father we have he's he's kind he helps us he sets a good way before us are we holding fast to him in love and he says i will deliver him i will protect him because he knows he knows my name and there's many names of jesus jehovah jireh jehovah rapha and i think there's like 20 others i should know the other 18 right from memory we should all we should all we should all a little encouragement for myself preach to myself all right next one Psalm 112, 7 through 8 says, He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his enemies. There's a lot going on here. He's not afraid of bad news. None of it. Any of it. Doesn't matter if it's the news from the news, or the news from the doctor, or the news from whatever is going on in your job, we are not afraid of bad news. We only fear Jesus. We only fear God. We have the fear of God in us. Okay. Our hearts are firm. They're supposed to be firm, trusting in the Lord. Imagine yourself, you're a branch, and you've been grafted into the tree. All of your nutrients and energy and resources have to come from that tree. You have to rely on him for that. Am I firmly trusting in the Lord for everything that I need? That's a difficult question to answer. That's a challenging thing. I've, I've done it maybe a couple times so far, <laughs> and I'm still having to do it. Until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. There's, there's more to that. but Oh, his heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his enemies. See, when we're, we're pulling closer, we're repositioning ourselves with God. We're, we're being in the peace, and we can let God handle our, our adversaries. Or we're stepping out in faith and obedience to what God is saying, and as we're stepping out in faith, doing what he's asked us to do, being obedient, our adversaries are falling to the side. Okay, next one. There's only like, I think, two or three of these left. Psalm 127.2 says, It is in vain that you rise up early or go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He gave to Jesus sleep on the boat in that storm. Was not toiling to try and paddle that thing back to shore. Or telling the crew, like, hey, have you guys, this is your first day, first day sailing, sailing a boat? We do not have to rise in vain or stay up late to try and uh, make a living. We need to be hard workers. We need to be good stewards of what God is giving us. But unless God builds a house, unless unless we're doing something that God is also building with you, you could just be building a sandcastle that's about to get washed away at the next tide. He gives his beloved sleep. Let's say this together. I am his beloved. And he gives me sleep. That's good. 
gives me sleep. Sleep is good. I, I need some sleep right now. I, I need some sleep. Okay, let's go to the next one. Very soon, very soon. <laughs> okay, Psalm 127.2 says, it is in vain that, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> As I was. Uh, <laughs> Psalm 144.2 says, As he is my steadfast love in my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. This is kind of similar to the last one we just read. Again, we're just thinking, we're just wondering, do I really believe this? That's all it is. Have that slow conversation with God. Okay, God, I don't know. Do I, what do I need to know? What do I need to see that helps me understand you as my fortress? Holy Spirit's going to show you how he's your fortress. He's going to speak to you out there when you're at work, maybe, or you're in the store at, a, at the weirdest time or he's going to give you a dream. Here's what a fortress looks like. Here's what a God fortress looks like. Boom. Okay, next one. Okay, so this is starting to get toward a little bit like, in this coming year, we have an election cycle. Exciting. It's going to be busy. There's going to be a lot of fur flying. I hope I know the meaning of that idiom. <laughs> I was yesterday years old when I learned that um, a diamond in the rough is not what I thought it was. Uh, I, I, I literally thought that it was a diamond in like you know a rough area, a nice shiny, good-looking you know, if, uh, polished, uh, you know, valuable. Cars like a rough diamond is an uncut diamond. It looks like a broken tooth or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not what I mean. Not at all. Okay. Okay, where was I? Okay, let's get back on track. Okay, uh, Psalm 146.3 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in this country that have put their trust in a person in this country in recent times. Yeah. And we've done that with previous people in recent, in, in not so recent, recent times. Okay, so we're, don't, let's not do this. Let's not put our trust. We, obviously, we need leaders. We need presidents. We need governors. Okay. Maybe some of them we don't, we don't like as much. We're, we're still supposed to pray for them and bless them. However, None of these people have salvation for us. Next verse. Here's the response to that later down in the same chapter. And it, it kind of starts with, and I think I cut it out here, but it starts with, it's the Lord who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves. There's nothing on the screen over here. The Lord, <laughs> I turned over here. 
That's not the truth. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Okay, here's the big question. Do you believe it? Do you believe every single one of these statements? It's not the presidential candidates this year. They're not doing it. It's not them. It's the Lord who does this. And there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of people in spiritual prisons right now that need deliverance. There's a lot of people that are having health issues that need deliverance from health. They need healing. Deliverance from health. Deliverance from infirmity and disease. Who's doing who's going to do that work? It's not us. And it's not the president's. And it's not any other leader. It is the Lord. Uh, he opens the eyes of the blind. See, in this, as we start to meditate on it, it begins to change the way we pray. All right, Lord, you open the eyes of the blind. We bless these people that you would show them a way, show them, show them not just anything, show them Jesus. This happened recently, right, in Gaza. There was a report from Gaza. It was with a Hamas people or Gaza people? Hamas. So people within the Hamas terrorist organization, this is days or weeks after the horrific things they did in Israel. Some of these terrorists, all uh, 200, 200 men on the same night had the same dream about Jesus. Who did that? Was that a president? Was that any of us? That was the living king we're serving that's in heaven right now. He did that. He changed overnight 200 people. I mean, they have a choice to make still, but now they know. They've seen him firsthand. God's going to reveal himself. He can open the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. When we're, hum- um, when we're um, humbling ourselves before him. He loves the righteous. All of us, if we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we are righteous. We are in the righteousness of Jesus. So God loves us. Woo! That's good news. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord watches over the sojourners. If you think about it, we are the sojourners. We are sojourners in the earth. This is just a temporary stay. Because after this, we're supposed to go on into eternity with Jesus, ideally. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, and the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So all of that stuff, that garbage that's happening out there, we shouldn't be laughing about it. Because it's it's really not great that there's wicked people out there but they're going to be brought to ruin because that's the justice of the Lord. He hates wicked things. But we should be praying that their their blind eyes are opened. 
So I think we're getting to the close of this. Let's go to the next one. Is that the last one? Okay. Let me just scroll on down. Okay, so what is this all doing? It's taking our focus off of ourselves in our present situation and puts our eyes back on Jesus. It re repositions us in Christ. It strengthens our resolve and gives, gives us access to a huge source of joy. Why? Because, oh my gosh, I got this rock. This rock is sweet. I got a castle. I got a fortress. It's Jesus, and he's amazing, and he loves me, and he blesses me with sleep. And I just got to be obedient and go where he goes. Put my eyes on him. I'm good to go. So now I have joy. I'm getting there. Now, do I personally, do I have that totally locked down within me? M maybe not completely. But this is something that I'm, I'm starting to walk out. And I want to be able to, years from now, say that I've totally been walking this out for years. And I want you guys all to be able to say the same. Your joy walkers. Let's go. Okay, I just made that up. So it repositions us in Christ. It strengthens our resolves and gives us access to a huge source of joy, giving us and others around us hope and a future no matter what things look like. Is that good? Do you guys want to see that in the city of Bremerton in, in every situation of your life? No matter what happens, God is using you to bring peace and hope into a situation. Thank you, Jesus. It sets us into his peace. This is also our way to get into the shalom. He's not, we're not stopping in the valley of darkness. We're following him through to that green pasture. The rock is the green pasture. Our belief in the truth is the green pasture. It's that shalom. Knowing that truth gives us the peace that we need. <sighs> it's like I can feel even just now a weight lifting off. I know the truth. I know there's that truck. I see that truck. You can't tell me anywhere, anything else. You're not going to glitch that truck around the street in the neighborhood tell me it's somewhere else. It's right there, and I'm not going to walk in front of it. What else is it doing? It is establishing our roots of belief deeply into the tree of Jesus that we are grafted in. And so we begin to trust him more, rely on him more, rest in him more, even in the midst of a storm. Is that good? I want some more of that. We're going to need some more of that this year. It's not yeah, the first flying. It's already flying. It's not too late to get started. In fact, this week would be a good time to get started. Being a Christian is not a once-a-week thing, one you know Sunday a week, one Wednesday a week, whatever. It's being a Christian is 24/7. And I'm, you know, this is a long-winded way of saying maybe like, oh yeah, read your Bible more. But I think it helps to make the connection. Like, why do I read my Bible more? Well, this is why. You're getting the food that you need. You're getting the establishment that you need. 
it helps us to know that why that we need that connection. And there's no condemnation if, you know, you're not reading your Bible every day. Sometimes you go through seasons where you're just gobbling up God's word. And then you go into another season where you're like, okay, I'm stepping out in faith and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do all these things. And you're going where Holy Spirit's going. No condemnation. But just don't, don't forget. If you start getting into a place where things are starting to get wild. Okay. Let me just double check here what it says in the word of God. Make sure I'm recentered myself. Okay. So let's just pray. And after this, um, if anybody wants to come up for prayer, you know, about this, you know, maybe maybe there's been a part of us that's been locked in, in a difficult thing. Maybe not. Or maybe you just want God to teach you more about, about this aspect of him. I'll pray for you. Car. I'm going to volunteer car. I will, will pray for you. <laughs> so, anyway, all right, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher. And you love us. And you, you really are our fortress. We thank you that you are not just a resource, but you are our source of everything that we need. We just ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of any unbelief in us. And we tell all unbelief to go now in Jesus' name. We will believe your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us your ways and your true nature and help us to understand you better so that we can get to that place of belief where we know without a shadow of a doubt what you are, what your character is, and how, how we're supposed to behave relative to how you, how you are. We thank you, Lord, there's no condemnation in that we're working this out, but we're not doing it alone. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to us to help us and to teach us all along the way. And that through this, Lord, you can, you can use us as a source of light and salt in the earth and a light and a path to you that brings you all the glory and the praise and the honor to your name because it was you who did it on the cross for us, who gave us a way back home to be back with the Father. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name.